0: You are listening to Arusa, a New Bride, a three-part intimate exploration of love and polygamous marriage in South Sudan. I'm your host, J.D. Ramalab. Episode 1. Love at First Sight.
1: Let me see I can't trust all the rice. <laughs> what is that basmati? Yeah, this one is basmati, my favorite. I remember when I first um, had basmati. It was my auntie Nip, who passed away actually in 2021, and. Um, And she was the one who was just like basmati rice because she's from San Francisco, you know, and like in the city, that's what we call San Francisco. In the city, you have like all these Asian and Indian restaurants, like really good food. And she's the one that hipped us to like basmati rice. I was like, what? Long grain basmati rice? None of this short, sticky stuff? Mm -hmm. Like because basmati like kind of falls apart a bit and it tastes so good. It smells like popcorn is cooking when you first get it.
0: This is Sari Mading, an African-American woman from East Palo Alto near San Francisco in the state of California. Sari is cooking lunch in her modern one-bedroom apartment in the upmarket neighborhood of Kololo in South Sudan's capital, Juba. It's midday on a bright, sunny Saturday, and she's expecting a guest.
1: Like I said, I was thinking that... um everybody would come, they woke up this morning saying like, uh, uh happy six months to Quell. she's six months. I'm like, yay, she's six months, our baby is six months old. You know, but then she messaged me saying, I'm going to come. I was like, you come when you're ready. So I was thinking that she's going to come with everybody. So I started cooking, <laughs> but she's not coming with everybody and I'm okay with it.
0: Still, she's making sure that the food
1: is just right. I'm making beans, rice, greens, or sakuma as they say here, and some chicken. I feel like I still need something else to go with it. Like what? Yams. Yams. That's all starch. I know.
0: (laughs) Sari is a petite, vibrant, and friendly woman who is warm and welcoming, a natural host with a nurturing personality. She's also very assertive and finds it easy to speak her mind with honesty and transparency. Is cooking like a therapeutic thing for you? It,
1: oh my god, it is. It's so therapeutic! There was a time, Jenny, like early in my marriage, where. I was, like, resentful, like, why do I have to do all this stuff, all the wife work? You know, it's the stuff that studies have shown, like women who get married and have kids, they, <clears throat> they are, like, they work full-time, but then they still come home and do a second job of cooking, homework, uh, washing clothes, blah, blah, blah. And I was resentful about it early. And I'll never forget one day, Jetty, I was in the kitchen... Feeling bitter about being in the kitchen still, you know? But I was just like, all right, Suri, you're just gonna fake this shit till you make it. Fake it till you make it. I'm happy to cook. I'm happy to be available to my husband and my kids. I'm gonna be happy to do all this stuff. I'm gonna stop complaining. Like, I made a conscious, out loud, conscious choice to, like, just fine. Let's, this is how we're gonna do it.
0: Sari is happily married to Michael Atril Madeng, a South Sudanese man who migrated to America on a basketball scholarship in the 80s. Although born in South Sudan, Michael left his village in 1979 and traveled to the north of Sudan to pursue his education. This was before Sudan split into two separate countries, Sudan and South Sudan, following a protracted civil war.
2: So there, um, I pursue my education. That's what took me to Gartum. I started in the South, and I went to Gartum. First, I uh, started playing basketball. You know, a friend of mine introduced basketball to me. He said, this is going to be good for you. And uh, I used to come and watch basketball, and... Uh, used to like to run. I just run, track. But all of a sudden, all my cousin encouraged me to, to join basketball.
0: While in Sudan's capital, Khartoum, he joined the city's first division Olympic basketball club and soon became a hot
2: property for international talent scouts. So when I started playing, uh, I was so good, so I transitioned to a club. Oh, Olympic Club, which is well-known in, in Khartoum, the first division uh, basketball club. So then I started playing. And then my cousin then had the opportunity to go to the U.S. And uh, he went to U.S. before me and had to keep communicating. And he said, I oh, want you to come join me in the U.S. and." Uh, that time, some in the world looking for me because they saw me uh, play basketball. In
0: 1987, he left Sudan after his more famous cousin, basketball player Manute Paul,
2: secured a scholarship for him in the U.S. Yeah, I went to U.S. and uh, landed in the East Coast, coming from Sudan to the East Coast. It's not nice. It's not something nice. It's a snow cold. My body was shipping like this. So uh, that's uh, how I make it to U.S. And then from there, continue my education. And later on, uh, my senior year, I met my beautiful wife, um uh, where I was in in Alabama, south, south of the U.S. And had. West Coast, California.
0: A year later, his cousin, who was playing for the Washington Bullets at the time, was transferred to the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco, California, the state where Sari and her family lived. In 1989, while on spring break, Michael traveled to California to visit his cousin. That's where he met Sari, on Saturday, December 16th. They were at a local nightclub in Oakland. Sari was just 18 years old, and Michael about 21. The club was packed with people from the African continent, Kenyans, Nigerians, Ethiopians, and a sprinkling of Sierra Leoneans and Ghanaians. Michael walked in with his cousin and a bunch of his friends. They looked like a group of giants since everyone was more than 1.9 meters or six feet tall. Siri and Michael immediately locked eyes. Would you describe that as a uh, lovers at first sight? Like do you just fall in love immediately?
2: Yeah, I always told her there's something there. Uh, I can't explain it. There's something there, you know. And I used to say this, I like to her, I like, uh oh, I'm gonna to change you to become a better a good woman. In my life. You know, just joking. we're just joking. You know, but we keep communicated. She was excited, she she's full of energy. And uh as soon as I met her, her energy was like high, you know, and uh and it was loving, you know, coming from different culture and like see this, you know, it's something new. But uh I like it, you know, so we develop, you know, love you know, for each other.
0: After seeing Sari dance with another man for a bit, Michael asked her for a dance. Then, six dances in a row later, Sari excitedly rushed to a public phone booth to call her mother, Cora, informing her that she'd be home late. One thing led to another, and then, just ten days after they first met, Sari found out she was pregnant.
2: I'm to say we made a mistake, but it was like something was there, you know something was there uh, We perceived our first son, you know uh within what three weeks, you know I'm knowing, knowing each other you know and uh, and I was scared I was like when she told me I like I know American culture uh. I don't want you to kill my baby. You need to kill my baby. So, keep talking. You know. Um, Even though their
0: relationship was rocky at times, causing the couple to separate for a year, their love for each other prevailed. In 1995, Michael proposed, and the two tied the knot the following year.
2: I joined them, and uh, we got married in 96. Uh,
0: The couple would go on to have two more children, a girl and a boy. After their third child was born, Sari decided not to have more. It was a choice she made back when she was still a little girl. Sari grew up in a big family. She's number six in a line of seven children. Because of this, she relished the time spent alone with her mother, Cora. Sometimes it would be in the kitchen while she was cooking, during short car rides, or while sitting next to her in church services. They would pat each other's hands while listening to the sermon. In those moments, alone with her mother, Sari felt so special, she wished she was Cora's only child. Her mother would admonish her for saying that, but Sari meant every word. It was then that she decided to have only three children. She wanted her children to have a different life experience, to have more one-on-one time with their mother.
1: Um, all three of my children were born via C-section and when the last one was born, I had my tubes tied. And that was it. And the joke became, you know, by the time the youngest one got older, it was like, um, you know, if you want more kids, you're you going to have to get them from somewhere else, because I'm not having anymore. Mm. That's the liberated me. Like, I don't want more kids. You want more kids? You go ahead. It's okay. Go for it. Even though he still wished to expand his
0: family, Michael reluctantly accepted Saree's decision.
2: A yoga it with her, um and the reason I joke about that I want more kids but he didn't want more kids. But uh when we start having kids he couldn't deliver normal have to be by C session, you know? So that's why we stop on three because you cannot operate more than three. You can lose your you'll your have your wife, so that's how I stopped. but you know in my mind, I want more kids, you know and but I agree with that point, and I was okay, hey, no, I love you, I don't want more kids. I want I don't want you to die. you know this is not what I want. I want kid, but I don't want to lose you. so three is enough. years went by and in may twenty
0: seventeen Savi received an offer to apply for a job opportunity in Nairobi, Kenya. After a short visit there, Savi suggested to Michael that maybe it was time for them to return to Africa. By then, South Sudan had already gained its independence from Sudan in 2011, and post-independence conflict between South Sudan's rival leaders Riek Mashar and Salva Kiir had simmered down. Their youngest son had completed school, so the couple felt free to explore a new future on the continent. When Sari's job in Nairobi didn't pan out, they tried living in Uganda. But after three weeks there, they decided to bite the bullet and move back to Juba instead.
2: Uh, Even me moving here is is one of the the decisions I have to make uh, when my young son turned 18, that one, uh, Suri, said, no, can we go now to your country? And i like, I'm going to leave my young one. Hey, he's grown, you know. He can ask me. If he to go, he come. If he doesn't, leave him. You know, so when we sat down as a family, I told them, all of them, they're like, you gotta go. We're okay, we're fine. You know I feel like my heart like the little one I kind leave like that But we'll live anyway, you know.
0: The couple had big dreams for their new life in Juba. They were scouting for land to build their new home while also working to empower young South Sudanese through sports development. During their first year living there, The subject of a second wife animated conversations the couple had with friends and family. Since polygamous marriages are normal, acceptable and legal in South Sudan, it was not uncommon for South Sudanese men like Michael, who had spent many years living abroad, often nicknamed the Lost Boys, to return to their home country marry a young girl or woman who would then become their second, third, or fourth wife. In fact, there's no limit to the number of women a man can marry as long as he has the will and money to do it. Often, the Arusa, which means a new bride in the Arabic spoken in Juba, would be a pubescent girl whose marriage would typically be arranged by her father or uncles without her knowledge or consent. So people would often ask Sari if she'd be willing to accept a co-wife if Michael were to decide to take one. Her answer was often a no, or a lukewarm maybe. It depends. But two years later, everything
1: changed. At some point in May, He lost his phone or I couldn't get a hold of him for like five days in a row. Like we have never gone silent for that long whenever I've traveled or whenever he's traveled. And I felt like a teenager, like just sitting by the phone, waiting, calling, 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 calling and um, crying every night. It was crazy.
0: (laughs) Crying every night, seriously?
1: Every night. So every night.
0: Next time on Arusa, A New Bride.
2: They said that you're an American wife. It's okay. We accept, but traditionally, you know, talk to your wife. We need a wife here on the ground. So, like, when people come to you, they're not going to be, like, in a hotel. You, can't, you cannot stay with Michael. You cannot touch Michael. All this stuff. So, all this... Way on me, heavy. Arusa,
0: a new bride, is brought to you by Sound Africa. Soundtrack and theme song is Arusu by Hardlife Avenue Stars. Mixing and sound design by Neil Liddle. Text and story editing by Brittany Keselman. Fact-checking by Mustafa Dumbuya. Photography by David Lemuria. Podcast artwork and design by Peace Oguguian, translations by Alith Ayer, marketing and publicity by Didi Kumaru. And a very special thank you to Adele Ring, Sari, and Michael Atrilmading for making this podcast possible. I'm JD Ramalapa. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, and stay safe and sound. Sound Africa is an independent podcasting organization with a mission to bring a historical lens to modern questions. Follow us on X, Facebook and Instagram with the handle at sound Africa or visit our website soundafrica.org and subscribe to our newsletter for updates on our latest podcasts.